Hey everyone, Pastor Blake Harkup here from Bedrock, Sarasota. I just wanted to take a minute to welcome you to our podcast. We hope that you get to know God more, that you feel encouraged, and that you see how God's moving in your life from a brand new perspective. Enjoy today's message. Wasn't that worship good tonight? Just seemed a little extra tonight, so that was amazing. And I really appreciate Pastor John and all he does and all the effort and time he puts into our worship team and everyone who practices all the time. I am just forever thankful for that. And uh, if you're new with us tonight, my name is Blake. I'm one of the pastors here at Bedrock, and it's really just an honor and a privilege to have you here. You know, we know it's Saturday night. You could be anywhere else. College football's over. So, I mean, what else do you have better to do now, I guess? But um, tonight, I'm, I'm excited to continue on in our series on generosity. You know, this has actually really been an incredible series for our church during this season. And when you're in a time in the world that we are in right now, I think generosity is so important. And as we began this new year and we moved into this incredible new location and faith has been such an incredible host for us, you know, we wanted to talk a lot about being a generous people. Uh, And so normally I like give a story, I start off with something like that, but tonight's message, uh, we're just going to jump right into it, okay? And so uh, we're going to just go over real quick what, when we talk about generosity, what do we mean, okay? Because we want to define the terms, right? We want to be clear on what we're saying when we're saying it, because I don't know about you, but have you ever lost communication with someone in, in the words that you use or something that you said uh, when, when, you, when you were communicating, and then you're kind of talking on two different planes, right? So we always have to define the terms. And so when we say generosity, here's what we mean. Generous is anything above normal. Now, normal's relative. Normal can be for you what, what is normal for you, right? You kind of define the pace for you, but anything above that Anything above normal for you, that would be considered generosity. In order for us to be generous, we have to be good stewards of our life. You cannot be generous if you don't have time, if you're not using your talent well, if you're not using your treasure well. You you cannot be generous. And so stewardship is a big part of generosity. And then finally this. Generosity is not about what we can gain when we give, but how we give because of what we received. Okay, so it's not about we give so that we can gain uh, and how this can benefit us because that's not giving, that's investing. And so as we talk about this tonight, this is probably the hardest message of the entire series, right? This is the one that we all avoid and this is the one that I avoid, right? Because we're going to talk a little bit about those greenbacks, those Benjamins, money, right? And that's hard because we get right up in your business, Right? Because if we step into your pocketbook, we kind of know where your life is. Right? I, can, I can know what you worship and serve if you let me see your bank account. If you just let me look at your charges, I'll tell you what you worship and serve. I'll tell you that where, where your heart is and where you put your money, that's where your heart will be also. Right? This is what Jesus says. Whatever you're kind of giving towards, that's where your heart is. And so this isn't going to be a kick you down kind of message. This isn't here to convict you because I really want to give you the reason behind why God wants us to be generous with the things that we have. But I also want to say this. Generosity is not just with our dollars. God talks a lot about us being generous with the things that we have. And when we're generous with the things that we have, we will have them and they will not have us. See, so many of us are owned by the things that we have. 
They make your decisions. They tell you where to go and what to do rather than you owning the things that you have. And when we're not generous and we're not good stewards with our money and with the things that we have, we end up being bought. We end up being controlled, right? Because whatever is swaying every decision of your life, that's the God that you serve. See, I think, I think everybody in the world believes in some type of God. Honestly, we worship and serve things all of the time. And so tonight we're going to get into these stories and, and this kind of this whole overarching view of giving in the Bible. So we're going to go Old Testament and New Testament tonight because I, we really need to understand biblical giving. Okay, And you're going to hear this word tithe come up a bunch of times. Okay, That's an Old Testament word. Okay, Ma'aser means 10th. That's literally what the word means in the Hebrew, ma'aser, right? Like this is a 10th of what you are to give. And so in order for us to really understand how God has called us to give, we're going to have to understand how things started, okay? So in the Bible, you'll have these words for you on the screen. We're going to hit a lot of different passages, and we're going to go hyperspeed tonight because there's a lot to cover. And I know that like I'm not one of these preachers that preaches like what we would say fluff, right? The messages are a little dense, but I believe that God's going to guide you to what's exactly what you need to learn. Because we're in a room full of people who maybe have just started their walk in, with Christianity, and we're in a room with people who have been Christians the majority of their life. And so I feel obligated or I feel convicted that I need to give what I can, and you will eat the meat and spit out the bones. Okay, so God, through his Holy Spirit, I truly, firmly believe that he'll have you walk away with what you need to walk away with tonight. So, in the Old Testament, we're going to go back to old school, right? We're going to old school. We got to start there. The Old Testament is this part of the Bible that so many of us neglect. It's actually two-thirds of your Bible. And in it, God is telling this story of what he's going to be doing with humanity and with this people called Israel. One of the things that God begins to talk about when he gives this thing called the law, that's where giving really begins to take its place as a formal thing in the Bible. It's with this thing called the Mosaic law, okay? Here's how that got established, okay? Moses brought Israel out of Egypt by God's divine power, and when Israel left Egypt, how many of you know it's hard to be a free people? Because like, Complete and utter, total, no rules kind of freedom is anarchy, right? We, we do need some rules because the human heart is deceitful and evil above all else. And so when we just let it go, there's some issues. And so God says, hey, I'm going to give you a law. And what the Mosaic covenant was, was this covenant that God made through Moses to the people and said, hey, I want to teach you how to be in a great relationship with me. Right? God says, there's going to be no guessing here. There's going to be like, this isn't going to be like, well, I think God might like this. God did exactly what we're supposed to do in relationship. He clearly communicated expectations. And so many times when we talk about the law, it's kind of this nasty, dirty, awful thing. But the reality was, is the law of God was a gift. Because you and I don't live in ambiguity. Maybe in your relationships, you guys have some unsaid rules, unsaid expectations in your marriages and in your relationships or with your kids or with your friends, or right? There's unwritten rules in all kinds of sports, 
right? And so what happens is, is unless we really say the things that we mean, we cannot hold anybody to those things. Because here's what unsaid expectations will do. Unsaid expectations will will set you up to be disappointed and others to fail. Let me say that again. Unsaid expectations will set you up to be disappointed and others to fail. So God set the expectation. Hey, I'm a holy, good, perfect, righteous God, and I'm going to give you some things not to kill your joy, but to preserve your freedom. And so God gives Israel this thing called the Mosaic Law. And part of that law was, had to do with giving, or the word tithe. That's where this comes from, the Old Testament. And there's three main passages in the Old Testament that say, hey, this is why we give, okay? The very first was that we were to give, the people were to give, to help support the Levitical priests at the time. So part of the Mosaic Law said these guys, these Levites, they're a tribe of Israel. They worked in the temple. They served in the temple of God, and they were not allowed to own land. That was a law. So there's no really like kind of issues with them and how they're running things. They weren't allowed to own land. So here's what God said. Hey, those guys are worth their wages, though. They're working in the temple. They are working hard. They are trying to do things for the nation. And so, hey, here's what I'm going to ask. One-tenth of everything that you have from your crop or your money, you give it to the temple, and that helps support the Levites. They don't have any land. That means they can't grow crops. That means they can't do a lot of things, right? And so, hey, we're going to give and we're going to help support them, okay? The second thing was for feasts. Part of what God said is, hey, take some of your crop or your grain or whatever you grew, and we're going to give it and we're going to put it in a storehouse. And when the temple's going to host a feast that's given to me, it's going to come from that, okay? So we're going to take some of that. And then finally, it was for the poor, Right? This comes out of Deuteronomy chapter 14. This is what it says. At the end of every three years, bring all the tithes of that year's produce and store it up in your towns, so that the Levites, those priests who have no allotment or inheritance of their own, uh, and the foreigners, and the fatherless, and the widows who live in your towns may come and eat and be satisfied. And so the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. He says, look, we got to take care of people who don't have. So that's part of the tithe. And so what would happen is, is the tithe in in the Mosaic law was built on obligation. Okay, here's what happens. God said, hey, this is what the law is and you're obligated to keep it. You're obligated to keep it and to be in right relationship with me. And that's not a bad thing. But how many of you all know you're not good at keeping the law? Right? Even Kelsey, the other day we were driving, and we have Apple CarPlay, you know, in our car. And so when you drive, Kelsey always puts Waze on. I don't know why she does this. But Scout and Jude have learned that when Waze turns red, that means you're speeding. Okay? Waze will like, hey, light up, and it's like you're speeding. So all of a sudden we'll be driving, and then we hear like, Dad, you're speeding. Right? And it's like, what? And it's like, oh, Now, here's the thing. You and I aren't good at keeping the law when we know it, but we're also not good at keeping it when we don't. How many of us have done things like I speed? I'm not thinking about it. I just kind of am thinking about driving and I'll go above the speed limit. And so what happens here is there's this obligation, but the whole point of the law was to help us be in right relationship with God. 
And the purpose of the tithe was not that God needed money. God doesn't need money. God wanted people to give willfully and in accordance with this to help take care of people. Right? I mean, that's a big call of the church in the body of believers, right? We always say this, okay? Go ye is costly. If you're going to go ye into all the world, making disciples and baptizing people and reaching people in far off places, it's going to cost some greenbacks, okay? Go ye is costly. And so there's a reality where the way that we do this is we do it through giving. Now, this protects the church and people in many ways. Because if we ran like a business, how many times do you know that businesses get a little sideways sometimes? It becomes more about making the money than giving out the money. Churches aren't about making money. We're about having money so we can do ministry. Okay? But you, ha- you can't just be a bad steward and expect things to happen. Okay? And so what happens here is the law came in and says this is an obligation. This is an obligation that in order for us to be right with God, you're going to give. And so what happens here is Jesus even says and identifies this in the gospel of Matthew verse, uh, chapter 23, verse 23. Jesus says, you give your tithes and your offerings. But see, Jesus came to do something that was so incredible. Jesus came because what Jesus is going to say to you and I is, we're not obligated to give, we're called to give. We're not obligated, we're called. Because what happens is, is when Jesus comes to this planet, he does something really incredible. And you hear him say it all the time. I've come not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. What he's talking about, that law that Jesus is talking about there, is the Mosaic Covenant. And do you see how if like you don't know what the first half of the book is about, the second half doesn't quite make sense? Right? How many of you start a movie two-thirds of the way in? You're like, you know what? I heard this was great. Let's start an hour and ten minutes into this thing. Why do we think we could do that with the Bible? Let's start an hour and ten minutes. It's only two hours. I only got so much time, so I'm just going to watch the last, you know, 30 minutes, 40 minutes of this thing. That's what it's like when you you ignore. I have my Bible opened up to 2 Corinthians. We're going to spend some time tonight. But if you notice, this half of the book is a lot bigger than this half of the book. And so the reason we're talking about this is Jesus says, all of those things that I was telling you to do, that you were obligated to do to be in right relationship with me, I'm going to come pay all of that. I'm going to do exactly what you couldn't. I'm going to fulfill your obligation. You were obligated to the law. And if you wanted to be in right relationship with God, then you had to fulfill it perfectly. And all of us know we don't fulfill laws perfectly. So Jesus goes, hey, I'm going to come and I'm going to fulfill your obligation. And I'm going to give you something greater. I'm going to call you to this. Because God knows that when we're generous in our giving and with our belongings and our things, not only are we not owned by them, but there's a joy that enters our souls. See, this isn't because God needs all of our money. This is because this is not about us, but it's for us, right? You've heard that said so many times in this series. This isn't about us, but it's definitely for us. Listen to what Galatians chapter 23, or chapter 3, verse 23 says. 
Now before faith came, that's belief in Jesus, we were held captive under the law. That's that Mosaic law we were talking about. In prison until the coming faith would be revealed. That's Jesus. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come. We no longer are under a guardian. He says, look, the law came in to hedge us, to help us, to protect us. And we were under that. It was like an umbrella. And what the Bible says is that Jesus came, and because he fulfilled our obligation, the umbrella has been removed, and that now we are in Christ. Doesn't mean we still shouldn't do things like sin, but the reality is, is no longer are we made right with God through keeping the law. We're made right with God through Jesus Christ. Praise be to God for that. Right? That's something to praise God about. So here's the reality is, is for so many of us, we understand that Jesus said, hey, you're no longer obligated. But the story that we started with, the story of the Good Samaritan, tells us that Jesus has called us to give. Jesus' teaching on the Good Samaritan says, hey, I am taking care of the Mosaic law, but I'm, I'm giving you something greater. You're no longer obligated. You're called. And so what happens is with calling, things get higher. When, when there's a calling on your life, when it's not just a duty or a job that you'll fulfill, but a calling that you're going to walk towards, things go up a level. Things, things extend a little bit. There's a little bit more in the game when we get to calling. And so here's what I'm going to say. We are way beyond the numbers. We are way beyond the numbers. Because the Mosaic law has been fulfilled. Giving is no longer about being law-abiding citizens. Giving is now about relationship with Jesus Christ. So the stakes went up. See, it's no longer us in the law. It's us in Jesus. It's us in God. And Jesus says, hey, the stakes went up. But here's the deal. So many Christians and churches are teaching what is wrong. Everyone teaches the tenth, the tithe. Right? But that was part of the Levitical law or the Mosaic law to fulfill what's going on. And Jesus is going to say we're way beyond the numbers. Because what God is going to call us to do is not just give towards a percentage, but to give according to the heart. See, the stakes are a lot higher for the Christian. See, so we've, we've made our, like, our our functional holiness based upon a percentage of the income that you give. That's totally wrong. We're not law obligated in Christ. We're relationship driven now. And Jesus says, hey, this is going to raise the level a little bit. So here's what I think. Christians are actually called to give more. Not percentage because we're getting beyond the numbers. Some of you are freaking out. We're not called to give towards percentages. We're called to give more from the heart. And that's going to call more of us. Did you know, like, if we actually added it up in the Old Testament, if we added up the percentages of all the tithes that were to be given, it was about 30%. You're like, oh, praise be to God, a tenth. Right, right? But here's what happens. We're way beyond the numbers. So God's going to open up this story in 2 Corinthians, and we're going to get like a peek into early Christianity and what was going on and how God wanted to identify generous givers. Because he's going to say, hey, look, we're way beyond the numbers. 
We're way beyond the numbers. Second Corinthians, starting in chapter 8, listen to what it says. This is Paul talking to the Corinthian church. He says this. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God. That word grace is really important. That has been given among the churches of Macedonia. Here's what Paul's going to say. These churches in Macedonia are giving because of the grace of God. Because they're in relationship with Jesus Christ, because they've received grace from God, they're giving out of that. And here's what he's going to say. I want you to know about this. Verse 2, for in a severe test of affliction, you're like, oh, that's not good. Their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed. You're like, what? In a wealth of generosity on their part. That's weird. I mean, that's not how you say it. You normally say, like, in the, in the market, the housing market that we have right now, you're going to make 29% this year. And out of a great abundance of the circumstance around this, these people were given like crazy. No, what Paul says is, in the midst of great affliction, their joy and their poverty came together to cause them to give generously. To give incredibly. And so what happens here, this is this, for they gave according to their means. Okay, guys, so no one wants you to take out debt to give. Because that's not giving. Right? So no, you're never going to hear from me or anybody else, go mortgage your house, go do this, go do that, go take out a second mortgage, go, go ahead and go get a credit card and give. And, no. In fact, the Bible talks about we should not be a slave to the lender. So that's not what we're talking about here because the blessing that God's going to give us when we give is generally not monetary. And if it is monetary, the other blessings that God gives us prepare us to help deal with that monetary blessing. Right? So this isn't an investing thing. This isn't like give more to get more to give more. That's the wrong heart. I'm already going to tell you, God's not going to be giving you more if you're saying, I'm going to give more to get more so I can give more. That's just not it. In fact, it was funny. Um, one of these families at Liberty University, when they were, God had just given this guy the ability to make money. I don't know how he was, but he was one of the donors for Liberty University. And Liberty was like getting ready to like close. Right, the early days, like they even had to ask the employees, like, bring your own toilet paper. It's these days are rough. Okay. And so what happens is, is they do this, and all of a sudden, there's a check that comes in. Like they're weeks away from closing the school. They're not gonna make payroll. And all of a sudden this check comes in the mail, and it's just a check in an envelope from this donor, and it had a million dollars. So Dr. Falwell took it, he grabbed it. The secretary opened it, he's like, wham! And they're like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm going to the bank right now, right? And he went to the bank, and as he was talking to this guy, here's what happened. The guy gave money, and Dr. Falwell was like, thank you so much, that's incredible, thank you for giving. And he said this, this guy said this, he said, okay, I gotta go get back to work. And he said, why? He said, well, I gotta go make some more money so I can give some more. Like his was, man, God's going to give me more money. And don't worry, when God gives me more money, I'm going to give to you. He said, no, I'm going to go work for it. And I'm going to go make some money so I can keep giving. And there's a big building at Liberty University named right after this guy because I bet he paid for three of them. And so what happens is, is you and I are going to have to understand. And what's going on with this church and these people is they're giving not to get more. 
Not, to, not so that they can have more in their life. They're giving because God has so greatly changed their life. That's why they said the grace of God has entered their hearts. Because when you've been recipient of something so incredible, let me just tell you, it's a lot easier to give. Because grace, how many of you have ever given away something you got for free? It's easy, right? You're like, here, I didn't even earn this. That's exactly what's going on here. We didn't earn this. God gave it to us. He's, it's a gift. And when we start looking at our money as not all of the things that we earn, and I'm not diminishing your hard work. Go work hard. That's good for our souls. In fact, work was created good in the garden before the fall. But the reality is, is when you see that, there's this ability to go, hey, this, this isn't really mine. I'm just a steward of this stuff. And so I'm going to give. And that's what happened to these poor people in Macedonia who are facing a ton of affliction. So it says this, for they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. They said, please let us give and help. Please. Like, we, we've been recipients of such grace. Like, please let us participate in this. And then in verse 5, it says this. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. I think we have a lot to learn about the Macedonian church because they gave way beyond the numbers. They gave because of this radical thing that had entered their life. And we said this last week, and I'm going to say it again. Generosity is built for hard times. Look at, what the, look at the equation. In intense affliction, their joy came together in their poverty for them to give generously. I want you to notice something. Paul never says how much they gave. Never. He, he's not concerned with the number. He's concerned with the heart. And he says, I can tell you that they gave according to their means and some of them beyond by the call of God. And he didn't say, and we got a million bucks or we got 10 million bucks. He just says these people were radically generous because of what God had done for them. This is what happened to them. Listen, this is how it's not about the numbers. The example here is poor people. I don't care how poor, like poor people are poor. They're not going to be able to give a million dollars. They're poor. Yet the example given in the Bible of generosity is a Samaritan and poor people. That's how you know this isn't about the numbers. That's how you know this is about the heart. Because the example that he gives, he goes, man, we met a bunch of millionaires on a yacht in Corinth and we were partying and those guys got drunk and they just gave us money and it was awesome. He's like, no, these poor people who are being persecuted. Somehow the joy of the Lord given by the grace of God combined in their darkest moments for them to give generously. And let me just tell you something. They begged for it because they knew that when they were able to give in generosity in their darkest moment, God was going to do something incredible. So they begged for the opportunity to be generous. So here's what else this says circumstances will never be able to extinguish the giving heart. 
but it may affect what we're able to give. But this isn't about the numbers. A giving heart is not built upon circumstance. A giving heart is built upon the Lord. So look, yes, you may not be able to give what you used to give in amount when you're facing troubling times, but your heart can still be just as giving because we're beyond the numbers now. We're into something new. And look at what happened to them. We talked about this a little bit last week. It says, for they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly. Here's what happens. They, the reason that they've unlocked some, some kind of blessing from the Lord is because they went from a had to give to a get to give type of people. They didn't have to do this. Everyone would have said, hey, we get it, man. Your life is terrible there in Macedonia. Like, and you guys, like, you are poor. You're dirt poor. You guys are excused. And they go, don't rob us of this blessing. Let us help the saints because we have been such recipients of the grace of God. We got to give. We have to give. We, we, don't, we, we get to go from have to to get to. Because of what God has done for us. Could you imagine what that is like? But I want you to notice the reason that this is so great for the Macedonian church is because their priorities were right. Verse 5, look at what it says. And this, not that we have expected, but they gave themselves where? Priority number one. First to the Lord. And then by the will of God to us. See, Paul and his buddies, they're missionaries. They're going to the utter ends. They're the go-yees, and it's costly. And Paul was not above working a side job and a side hustle to take the gospel to hard places. So if you ever got a preacher or a pastor who can't do a side hustle so he can do the main thing, you got the wrong preacher. But here's the deal. Because of the generosity of the people, Paul's able to focus on this. It's potent. But notice what they did. They gave to God first. Their heart was in the right place. Because let me just tell you, I just talked about this earlier tonight. If I looked at your bank account, I could tell you what you worship. Because what we worship, we give to. You want to know where your idols are? Look at your bank account. I'm just serious. Like, that's where it is. We invest and we give to what we worship. Why do you think people will pay so much money to go to a concert? I mean, like literally, my favorite soccer team, Arsenal, is looking to buy a player right now, okay? They're going to pay 60 million euros probably just to bring them on the team. 60 million euros is around $100 million. Then he's going to make about $450,000 a week to play for our team. A week! And you know what? How they can do that? Because fans worship them and will buy jerseys and will show up to games and they'll pay $150 to $5,000 to watch one game. Because we give to what we worship. And the Macedonians gave first to the Lord and then the Lord called them to give to Paul. And so what happens here is the Macedonians are able to experience this incredible joy because here's the reality, and I, you're, you might like, like shrink up here for just a second, but I'm going to explain it. Greater giving equals greater blessing. 
You're like, this sounds a lot like prosperity. Let me finish. Because how can we not like see this? These people are poor and in terrible circumstances and in great affliction, and yet their joy is great. Isn't that a blessing? That now your life is beyond your circumstance and your joy is in the one who can control all things, not in the way things happen? That is a blessing, right? And so what happens here is we're going to jump over to 2 Corinthians. Just move your Bible one page over if you have it or just scroll over with your phone. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 to 15. Paul's going to play out for us the blessings. Here's what he says. Verse, uh, starting in verse 6. The point is this. That's always good. The point is this. I like that. It's like a bullet point. You want another point? Here it is. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, because this isn't about obligation. This is now about the heart. So let me ask you, church, just like stop, pause, how has God called you to give? Let me just tell you something. He's called you to give something. Why? He doesn't need it, but he knows what it will do to you. So he's called you to give a dollar, 50 cents, two cents, your time, your talent, whatever. I don't care. God's called you to give. Why? Because our God wants to give us blessings and wants us to live an abundant life. And here's what I believe. We'll see today that when you give, abundance happens. But not in monetary things. Why would God want to bless us? Doesn't mean you won't get monetary things, by the way. We're not a poverty gospel either. But here's the deal. Why would God want to always bless us with things that will disappear in this life? Like, why would we say, well, when I give more of my possession or more of my money, God's going to give me more so that I can. Because God knows those things aren't coming with us. You can invest in things in this life. You can enjoy things in this life. Ecclesiastes tells us to do that. But here's the deal. You don't see a U-Haul following a hearse. We're not Egyptians. You don't get buried with your stuff so it can go with you. Because it doesn't go with you. And so he says, they gave according to what they had worked out with God. It's not about a number. It's about the heart. So look at what the Bible says. It's going to get even better. It says this. So they gave, and they were a cheerful giver. Why is that so important? Why is cheerfulness so important in giving? You pay those you fear. You give to those you love. Payment is about fear. Why do you pay your car bill? Because you're afraid they're going to repossess it. Right? Why do we pay our taxes? Because we don't want a letter from the IRS. Right? Why do you pay for your goods? Why do you pay for your meal? Out of the goodness of your heart? Because you don't want to go to jail. We pay for things out of fear. We give to things that we love. And that's exactly what happens here. He says they were joyful givers. So we don't give to God out of fear that God won't give us stuff. We give to God because we love him. That's why we give. And God is able to make all the grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. What does that mean? That one, you're going to receive the blessing of the grace of God in your life. But not only that, you'll be content. You'll be content. That God is going to help make you content. It says this, 
as it is written, verse 9, he, is, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Look at verse 10. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. He says you're not generous to be generous to be a hero and have a statue. You're generous because people are going to look and go, man, look at what God did through them. That's why we're generous. He says this, for the ministry of this service is not only to supply the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ. And the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others, while they long for you and pray for you, because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. This is what Paul's saying. This isn't an investment strategy. This isn't the kind of thing, because we've talked to you about this. Why would God want us to give? God can accomplish the work without the money, but here's what happens. When you give towards God, you're releasing some of your life from the idols that you worship. Because when you give to him, you can't give to them because you don't have any more to give. So basically what happens is, is the love of money can begin to leave your life when you're able to give freely. And how many of us know money is probably the biggest idol in many of our lives? Uh, you know how many decisions I've made based upon money? Now, I'm not saying don't make wise decisions, don't make good decisions, but man, it can't rule your life. So here's what happens. He says they give with great joy because it's, it's not about payment. It's about joy in giving. And God wants us to prosper in the blessing. But why would he give us those things that are going to fall away? So here's the real blessing. Great giving equals great blessing. And here are the six blessings that I really think enter our heart when we give. The very first thing is God's grace. We experience and know the grace of God. Do you get more grace? No. God loves you the same today, yesterday, tomorrow. It's always the same. But your experience of that love can grow. Your understanding of that love can grow. But not only that, you'll be content. There's a show I watched. It was called Billions or Billionaire or something. And in the show, this guy's, I mean, he's like loaded, like money, money, money. And he just keeps like going after this money. And finally, this guy in the show says, when will enough be enough? And he said, never. Can you imagine the prison wheel that that is? I mean, you ever watch a hamster run on a wheel? You know why that's a tragedy? It's because the wheel never stops moving until you do. And that's when you're dead. I mean, if your money's always just about more, what are you going to do? But if you already have enough in Christ, everything else is just blessing. That's what the Macedonians experienced. It was all just blessing because they had already experienced so much in Christ. But not only that, he says you'll receive an abundance. Because when you're content, you'll get into abundance very quickly. You'll have more than your need when you're content because it's not about the things that we have or that rather the things that have us. It's about much more than that. You'll enter contentment when, you're, when your life is more about your relationship with Jesus than it is the things surrounding you. 
and then you'll have abundance. And you think, I'm going to have abundance because God's going to give me more. No, you might have abundance because you're not spending so much because you're not trying to fill a void in your life. Not only that, when you receive abundance, I guarantee you, you'll have some thankfulness. I guarantee it. When you're not scraping the bottom of the barrel, when you're not like going and getting that Saks Fifth Avenue card to buy that purse that no one really cares about, that costs way too much money just to impress people, and you can go and you can enjoy things with your family or go and give or help somebody or do something that, that is there to be a part of others and not ourselves, I guarantee you'll experience thankfulness. Now, is it wrong to go get that purse? Not at all. You'll never see me say, don't go get nice things. Just make sure that nice things don't go get you. And then what does Paul say? He says, we're going to experience incredible unity. How many of us could need a little bit of that? How about our country? What if we were just generous? Not just with our money or our things, but with our time, our talent, and our love. Could maybe the world be different? Could there be unity? Have, I don't know. Have you ever had somebody provide for you like in a radical way? It creates unity. It just does. And then here's what Paul says. You'll have great joy. Remember, joy overrides circumstances. Happiness is circumstantial. Joy is not. And so finally, as we get ready to just tie a bow on this message, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 gives us the why. Right, because we've said the what, it will come along when the why is right. So why do we give? 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. What does that mean? The one who dwelled in heaven came down to earth as a baby. He left the riches of heaven to come to the poverty of this earth. And he who meant to be exalted as a king was lifted up as a criminal. And he died the death you should have died. And he lived the life we had to live but couldn't. And he rose again to make us richer than anyone in the world because now we have salvation. So why do we give? Because he gave. God did not hold back anything. We can talk about being joyful, hopeful givers, because God gave in joy and God gave in hope. And we, we talk about our possessions and the things that we have or the things that we earn. What more possession can you give than your own life? And Jesus shows us incredibly that he was generous beyond generous because he gave his life for you and I. And so the question is, what has God called you to give? What blessing, what joy, what contentment, what abundance could come into your life by the power of God, by freeing us from the worship of other things when we give? And let me just tell you something, church. Like, when you give and you're a part of all of what's going on here and what's going on in the world, when someone gets baptized, you're part of that. When a marriage is restored, you're part of that. Guys, because of your generosity, for the very first time in my life, I've been able to go full-time in ministry. 
And I can tell you this. The reason it's so important is because I was in literally this week alone, sitting in the office right over there, three conferences about marriages that are about to fall apart. And because of your generosity, I was able to meet them at 1 p.m. and not have to be at another job so that we could maybe intervene. Because of your generosity, not because I'm so great, because of your generosity. Because of your generosity, someone's lights were about to be turned off this week and their transmission was about to fall out of their car. And because of your generosity, we were able to pay for it. And because of your generosity this year, this past year as a church, we were able to spend more money on benevolence as a church than our entire first year budget. Because of your generosity, missionaries have been sent around the world. Because of your generosity, lives have been changed. Medicine's been bought. Procedures have been given. Because of your generosity, adoptions are possible right now. Do you know this, church? Like, we don't share with you enough about all that goes on. But because we've received so much from the Lord, it's easy to give it out. It's easy. It's easy to do it. And here's what I've seen. Church, this is no lie. As we've been talking about generosity, I'm not saying that God's paying us, but God must be trusting us. Because this week, yesterday, I went to our P.O. box. And when I got to our P.O. box, that's where some gifts come in and our mail and all that stuff. And our giving in our P.O. box is about $3,000. Majority of time, giving comes through online or in, in the box. Okay? Can I just tell you how much money we were able to deposit yesterday? because of generosity. And I have no doubt that it's because God is moving hearts in this church because of what's happening. We put in $18,000 yesterday into our bank account. All because of the Lord. We didn't give an ask. We didn't put out a letter. We didn't put out a thing of needs. We just are going to say yes to the Lord and we're going to give of our lives to him. And we're going to give of our money to him. And we're going to give of our talent to him. And we're going to give of our love to him. And we will see God do more than we could ever hope for or imagine because our hearts are free to move towards him. And so church, go ye is costly, absolutely. But you can be a part of what God's doing in this world through your giving. And I guarantee you, you will receive a blessing out of that. You will be free. And so this is way beyond the numbers. And so I'm not going to ask you to give any amount at all. This is, we're not passing the plate. I'm not even, like, just do whatever God tells you to do. Just whatever. And in faith, give. Because giving is an exercise of faith. Here's what faith is. When you give, you're going to believe that God's going to provide the rest. Like, I, I, I'm going to be generous because I believe he's a provider. Now, when you give like that, it doesn't mean he's just going to give more, but you have faith. You have faith to believe he'll provide. And so, church, however God leads you today to give, it's a form of worship. I pray that you would walk towards him today in faith. Oh, oh, oh.
Thank you for jumping into today's message, and we truly hope that you were encouraged. If you were encouraged, would you like and share this with someone that you truly love and care about? It may just be the thing that they need to get through this week. Also, let us know how the message impacted you, and please let us know any ways that we can be praying for you. But finally, I just wanted to take a minute to thank all of our supporters and those who give generously to make all that we have and do here at Bedrock happen. If you'd like to support us, you can do that really quickly by texting 84321 with any amount and setting up text to give, or you can give on our website. Thank you once again for all that you do, and we hope to see you soon.